Hello and welcome to Rule of Carnage, a, a podcast and video series where I, Mike Hutchinson, and this guy, Glenn Ford, talk about designing better miniature games. Um, we've had a lot of conversations about a lot of different subjects, but I think what we are going to talk about for this conversation is simply why we like Manowar. <laughs> we both really like Manowar and we're not quite sure exactly why. I am certain I absolutely love it. Um, and I've played it for a, a long number of years and we've played it recently ourselves. And in many very real ways, it's got some flaws um, and it's it's sort of showing its age. But it's also does a bunch of things that um, I still find delightful and um, maybe have been adopted by other games or in some cases kind of you don't see very often anymore and, and, and why. So I think we'll just, shall we, Glenn, just sort of have a little meander around the rule system of man of war and try and yeah. figure out if there is a rational reason why we like it or if it's just it's just beautiful and cute and it's just it is it is what it is and thank you for it i mean i i think there's de there's there's obviously a degree to which there's a nostalgia and just a, a love of it because you love what you love and that mm -hmm. because because i was as I, said, I was thinking about this the other day because you sort of jokingly mentioned it at the start of one of the records um and we have been playing it a bit and mm. I, there's so many reasons i shouldn't like man of war and there's a longer list of reasons i i shouldn't like man of law or than than there is a, a and we aren't going to shirk from that list gentle <laughs> listener. <laughs> I, 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 and there's a relatively short list of why i love it but but i do genuinely really really like it and i think it's a worthwhile case study partly because of that partly because it has such big flaws and yet it's something i keep coming back to and, and lots of people keep coming back to and it's a great example because so you know to, in relation to nostalgia i've got um a, a man of war fleet sat on the shelf sort of up next to me here three of those ships i've had since i was like 12 years old um some of them i've picked up as sort of um uh knockoff uh reprints on on um etsy and things but some of them i've gone through ebay and i've hunted out the original ships and it is very significant for a sort of smaller gw game quite how much the resale value of uh, of, of man of war ships have, have has sort of become extremely robust because people continue to love it and it's a lovable mm. game and and there's a lot a lot to learn from quite how delightful it is despite its flaws um i've been having a conversation recently with somebody about whether a perfect game is a good game uh, and whether you can say that a game is perfect and yet it be absolute and total garbage and i think man of war is a good example of a game that has flaws that are deep and far-reaching and yet it is a good game i think it is a very good game um so I've I've got a couple of things that I'm pretty certain are, are the sources of the things that I love about Man of War. All right. And I've got a list of I mean, the first thing is um, inherently I love uh, a movement system. I love any movement system that's based on a wind gauge. I inherently yeah. just love a sailing ship uh, movement system. Um, uh, and I really like the the Man of War 
version of that is simply one of the first one of those I came across sort of in my gaming and so and so is it is it that there's a externality to like the whole table shares a global state and then where you are in relation to that matters in a way that it just doesn't in almost any other rule system I mean if if I'm gonna get sort of philosophical about it um we came here to be philosophical about think, that was that was the objective i think it's a crystallization of inherently what i think is important and worthwhile about miniatures based gaming that a lot of miniatures based games aren't allowed to do because it upsets gamers and what mm. i mean by that is when you're playing a minis game with a bunch of buildings and a, and a bunch of minis what an actual what makes the actual great generals great is they look at a battlefield and they spot the fact that you know all this these troops can make it through that forest faster than my opponent suspects they will or oh those troops on that hill will have a line of sight to that valley that my opponent isn't where they'll have and that's the way that in theory, like table miniature games ought to reward you. You ought to sit on your side of the table and go, ah, I can see him through that window and he's not going to realise I can see him through that window and I get the jump on him. If you actually do that at the tabletop, the other person becomes incredibly unhappy and upset because it's like cheating in some way. Well, it's, it's, it's jumping up and going, bang, you're dead. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. I just shot you. I'm not dead. <laughs> well, it, well, it's inherently it's that thing of there's meant to there's a there's a sense with most miniatures games that the information of line of sight and what I can see and what I can't see and how terrain works is meant to be perfect information for both players. Mm. There's an underlying understanding that if you can see th something from your side of the table, you should inform me of the fact that you can see it. That's the gentleman's agreement we play by. And I, and I totally get that as part of the social contract. And I understand that there is something gentlemanly about going, you think I can't see you where you've just moved that miniature? I can. You've mm. got tons of movement to do it. You can totally cover yourself. Why not cover yourself? But there is something about the fact that the skill of reading the battlefield from my perspective is, is something I, I want to have available and I mm -hmm. can't have it with most sort of tabletop miniatures games in the way I want to have it because it's rude basically mm. the thing about a wind gauge in a game like man of war in a, in a in any sailing ship game is it makes public information that there is a of a whopping great advantage to being in one part of the table as opposed to another part of the table that isn't about oh, I think I can see through that tree and you don't think I can see through that tree or whatever it happens to be. And I personally love the fact that you can, you can work that wind gauge, you can work with it. Once you get the wind on your side in a game like Man of War, you have this massive and unfair advantage. The game mm. becomes completely unfair. And I really like that in a game of Man of War. I really like the moment where... Because it's, you know, because it's relevant to actual naval sea battles. It's the equivalent for me of the way that a great general unfairly reads a battlefield. Yeah, right. You know, is the way that wind works in a good sailing game. But because it's so like, 
crunched into the rules and undeniable and undebatable we can have we can be great naval generals in a way that we can't be great land generals on the tabletop and And there's a few there's a few flaws that like connected into it like the most obvious one being the one that you already pointed out which is like sometimes like you roll up the wind and it's just pointing at you and you're like well this is annoying like it's gonna take me ages to get to the middle of the table and then the, the other like massive flaw is that tons of ships ignore the wind because they have paddles or rows and it's like why are there so many ships that ignore the core movement mechanic because you know you just take you just take one of those and i don't think they're i don't think they're necessarily balanced or pointed appropriately to their ignoring of that core uncertainty in the game what i do like is the way that when you roll for initiative and you and you um and you tie then the wind changes by just one click it never swings too far and i also like the fact that whether it's odd or evens is is clockwise or anti-clockwise like that kind of elegance in mechanics i think you know two people roll a dice for one purpose but it also contains within it this this properties that those other the others I, I find that really satisfying that's a really nice piece of design and i think it's a great example as to why man of war is better than dreadfleet is that at the start of a game of Man of War, the wind is always fair. On a two-player game of Man of War, there's a little bit at the start that sets up the wind in a fair manner. Right. That isn't in Dreadfleet. There's... No, it just it's just a D20, D66 roll or something. Yeah, in Dreadfleet, at the start of the game, you could just be facing into the wind and going, right, okay, so this is going to be really unpleasant for me, right? Okay, just right. so I know. And it's also a bit weird. It's like, how did I deploy in this? Like, how did I arrive at the battlefield in this like did it did it just squall round and like four seconds ago i was a sensible uh admiral and now i look like a chump yeah and it, and it does and it is, it is yeah i think those are two sort of issues uh you know man of war is really hard to make work as a three player you know game and it's like you say one of the flaws of man of war is the the development of the armies there was more and more and more stuff in man of war as it went on like historically that ignores the wind yeah and it feels part of the fact that somebody gamers i assume i don't know it was a while ago and i was a small you know <clears throat> at that point i feel like gamers somewhere were going this this sailing into the wind is incredibly brutal i just get annihilated when the other guy gets the the wind on me can i have more stuff that doesn't but it's, that but like it, it's a bit it's a bit like saying okay from now on all of the cars that i'm going to add in gaslands can choose any gear any template in any gear or they can just pivot on the spot and put a template out in front of them they can just do whatever they want it's like it just it just doesn't engage with the core crunchiness of the of the system it's yeah, but I, there's lots of other crunchy things that are also wonderful and so i still like playing orcs even though they have paddle wheels and i'll tell you my top of the list like my absolute number one is the physical the physicality of the to hit location system and the way that they are tied together and the way that they are presented to the players so in man of war you get a card it has a silhouette of a ship that silhouette is then broken up into squares which are physically mapped to the upper and lower locations of the ships and those locations are numbered and when you make a dice roll to hit the ship you don't need to know what your ballistic skill is or you don't need to look at a chart you simply look at the opposing ship card on the other side of the table and the the game shipped with these massive cards that you can clearly see from the other side and if you roll a four or five or a six you can see that you've hit the hull or the 
front sail or the back sail and that for me is completely wonderful like it's a totally elegant way of solving how do to hits work and where do i know where i've hit because on a ship we're going to make sure that it matters where you hit um and we'll talk yeah. about the damage system in a moment because i love this damage system as well no yeah no and that's that's brilliant because literally the second thing that i've got on my list and this is about communication is the ship cards yeah amazing and it's like and i think it's a great example particularly for back when men of war came out of how important product design can be for a game because mm. those ship cards are a piece of product design they're not really a piece of like game design but they are so central to why the experience of man of war is both as sort of crunchy and clunky but as smooth and easy as as it is it's like you say it's, they contain so much information in such an instantly accessible and visceral fashion that they take a huge amount of the pain out of playing that game um and yeah and it it's one of those ones where i you know i've seen those cards versions of those cards come up in various games and they're not often done as well and like i say it's it's odd because it's it's back from an era when things were a bit more not quite sure what they were doing and it's right and, and like a, a really a really design. pertinent example here is like the the current adeptus titanicus which has had 25 years of graphics design and you know design thinking and ui design across a whole host of disciplines like those cards are garbage like compared to man of war compared to the fact like on a number of factors like how do I know what? Um, how do I know what I hit and where I hit? How do I know what happens when I hit that thing? Like, how do I know what the ongoing critical effects are? Can I read that thing from across the table? Like, how easy is it to knock the state to pieces um, by like nudging the table? Like, it's so it's so interesting going back to what is essentially quite a primordial example of this, mm. and finding that the UI design of this is incredibly well considered and. Um, the fact that you've got these little flat tokens to mark kind of damaged locations and fire and stuff um, is itself also it's also it, it's convenient but it's also really readable from across the table and not only is it readable in an abstract way it's really descriptive it's like a little picture of your ship on fire it's just great that seems like a good place to take a quick break No, yeah, absolutely, and I think it's I think it's a great example of Deptus Titanicus because, like you say, it's a new game. It's had all this development, and you try and read the other person's like damage status from across the table on Deptus Titanicus, and it, and it is a sort of okay. Look, can you tell me which is the most damaged system? Is it in yellow or red? Is it in this? You know, and it, and like and and the, the the font size and the font color, like you can tell that that game was play tested in a in a well lit fluorescent room because if you play that in a normal house, you cannot read a damn word on that thing whereas man of war lovely big text everything's everything's laid out nicely of course everything's red because it's the 90s yeah i mean it's yeah it feels like sometimes like the the man of war cards feel less professionally put together maybe but if that is the case then professionalism isn't always you know the, the greatest benefit but yeah no I, I i love i love the product design of those those cards alone i think are just are a, a particularly splendid thing and, and bizarrely good 
it, it's really weird that they are like that good in the way that they are at the time they were put out and, and so so smooth the the user experience of playing that game and, and i also i also really like the way that the combat system works where i i make a single roll to see where i hit you and did i hit and if i don't roll up a location then i clearly missed and that's a very elegant mechanic and then there's the saving throw which is just another number that's you know that's got a plus next to it so you know that you've got a five plus or a six plus save so you've got an opportunity to save so you've got that handover point which is um you know potentially an unnecessary step but we're not dealing with very many cannon shot and there's not very many ships on the table so i think it's important and then you've got a number of like a number of common but really descriptive special effects where ships with sails or engines will say you know like when this is destroyed they lose some speed which is beautiful and elegant and the stone thrower mechanic which appears in lots of different places where you can hit a higher location and it will fall down and if it's not saved in one location it will continue traveling through the ship like that's just absolutely blinding <laughs> It's yeah. just so fun. I, I did. I wondered about this the other day, actually, because when you the way that the um, the to hit rolls work in Man of War, I mean, for people who haven't encountered Man of War, and you know, check it out because it is out there. Um, you roll a dice, and if the number you get isn't listed on this ship card, then that dice missed. Mm -hmm. And I did wonder the other day because it it has. It feels like a family of mechanic of the silhouettes from A Billion Sons, but I don't know that that was any conscious thing on your part. Because in A Billion oh, Sons, oh, Glenn, 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 Glenn. <laughs> so the first version of A Billion Sons, back when it was called Leviathans, um, it actually every every ship in 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 Leviathans had a man of war ship card. So I took the outline. I took literally took the silhouettes from um like star destroyers and Karelian corvettes and i and i made a man of war style overlay on them and by experience and by messing around with those physical overlays a la um man of war i came to this idea of dice sizes interacting with silhouette sizes because i i start my first place that i started drifting was okay well if i've got a massive star destroyer maybe i'll make a much bigger card and it will have more boxes on it and those boxes will then need to be labeled from one through to 12. oh okay so maybe i could use a 12-sided dice and that that was essentially where the whole combat system from a billion suns emerged from yeah because I, th I think the silhouette system in a billion suns is one of those very elegant mechanics that when i when i talk to people about a billion suns at cons and you explain the silhouette system and particularly the bigger dice are rolled by bigger ships but you roll the same dice for the hit and the save is one of those very elegant moments where people go oh that that's that's lovely that's brilliant that means that it, it it builds in all of the elements of you know of course bigger ships find it harder to hit smaller ships and they annihilate them and the smaller ships hit the bigger ships very easily but they can't get through the shields and and it contains everything in there so they i mean there's there's an there's an alternative timeline in which my design process ended up catching on a different thing and rather than jumping in larger or more flexible sizes of fleets i ended up containing the design very much to to a sort of star wars armada scale where it's like you only really ever have five maybe seven vessels on the table in which case i may well have returned in the design process back to a more detailed location and damage tracking system because a, a lot of that detail that you find in um 
uh, Man of War or Adeptus Titanicus is abstracted out of the game in order to make sure that you can concentrate on the really interesting decisions of what ships should I buy and where should I put them. Um, but there's definitely, you know, there's definitely a there's definitely a world where you know boarding actions and lasers that shoot through different decks of the ships and which parts of the ship are on fire affects you know whether your primary weapons are running like all of that stuff was in the initial draft of leviathans so i think one of the things i mean the reason that i own the 25 year old um man of war minis that i own mm. and i think it is a significant part of it is and I don't know if this also in a way informs um, some bits of Gaslands, is that there's such a low buy-in for Man of War. Um, mm -hmm. You know, with like four or five minis, you have a bunch of really interesting worthwhile choices. Do you know, do you know, do you happen to know what size Man of War games you're supposed to play? Because I can't remember reading it anywhere. Because we play, we've been playing like 600 points or something, which feels about right um i well i think you're meant to be able to get like a a a, a, a man of war and a squadron basically is meant to be your intro level game so i think it's meant to be right. like 500 points for 500 500 points i don't know i have you know i have to look up it is one of those things where we've sort of gone ah uh, you know what i want like well it, but it's more, more so it's like i've played man of war enough to know what i find as an enjoyable size of man of war like i want a couple of big ships and maybe sort of six to nine i want th two or three squadrons of ships of the line because that for me gives me enough stuff to play with and so you know that is that is very familiar that is a very similar sort of selection of things to um uh, I mean, gaslands or whatever it's a sort of it's a sort of three to three to six kind of a situation <clears throat> i mean the, the starter set for man of war basically gave you about like 200 points of stuff per side yeah, and it was like this is a perfectly reasonable size to play with, and I seem to remember battle reports in uh, White Dwarf of the day didn't go much beyond four or five hundred points quite 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 regularly. You didn't see like a thousand point fleets ever in White Dwarf, mm. so I think it's a little bit vaguer about the size of the game you're meant to play. But I think you are meant to play at those smaller sizes, and I think it's really significant that you get a lot of interesting crunchy decisions without needing to have a weight of miniatures upon the tabletop and i think it's one of those things where complexity is is a is a bug not a feature and i think that's something that a certain number particularly of miniatures tabletop games need to learn and i think that for me man of war says you know what, extra ships would be complexity, you know, um, there are enough ships for you to have a good, you know, hour and a half of interesting decisions. Once you've got yeah, six ships on the tabletop, that's plenty. That's what we'll, we'll go with. We won't say, oh, but you should have 20 ships because, and I don't know, and I don't want, to, I don't like bad mouthing GW, but it feels like an era where they went, you know what, here's a system where you don't need many models. We're not really here to sell you models. We're here to make get, help you have fun. Why not play this game? You know, and it was the era when sort of Blood Bowl came about where it's just like, yeah, you only need like 11 or 12 models. That's fine. You can have them in plastic. And, you know, an Inquisitor, which was like, yeah, three models is plenty. I don't know why you would want to buy 100 models off us. You know, just have a couple of these. Have fun. Enjoy yourself. Um, which might be an era that that, uh, that is... So, 
it is past. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think it has solidly. Um, the so one of the results of uh, the damage system is that ships can be um, <clears throat> sunk and then something magical happens, which I love. And I think I probably unconsciously borrowed for Gaslands, which is ships turn into these little markers that are like these wreckage markers, which makes total sense There's a ship, you know, sinking and it breaks into, you know, splintered woods and all the crews hanging into the woods and the and the the, the little wizards are like or the generals are hanging on to the thing and you can then pootle up and um and pick up the characters which i adore like it's a real narrative beat that you can then play towards and it's also like the fact that you can sail ships so so the other thing that can happen quite regularly is that ships can lose all of their crew through through damage or being boarded and we'll talk about boarding in a minute because that's amazing um <laughs> But like the fact that you can, the fact that you you can distribute your crew as a resource by pootling over, making a decision to disengage from one part of the battlefield, go over to another part of the battlefield, spend a turn and some of your precious crew resource to recrew a ship, either because you want to do something with it or simply because you don't want it to count as battle honors or be scuttled by someone else, like. That's such an interesting set of decisions about how you move around the table and where you spread your resources. And I just think like there, there aren't very many games with a sort of down and not out sort of, you know, like a dude crawling along who's wounded, like, you know, like in Gears of War or something. There's a few games, skirmish games that have it. But Man of War, I think, is for me the best example of a down and not out mechanic, because unlike like a military squad game where like you can't really swap blood as a resource and pass it around like you've got these crew counters and that's this really interesting distributable fungible resource that you've been given yeah yeah man of, man of war makes the wounds of ships a fungible resource is is a and it's like fungible resources are a good thing they're a yeah. good, they're a good design thing they're they're fun they're interesting so any resource that you can use in multiple ways or that you can swap back and forth between different units by certain events or actions is brilliant. why didn't i make gaslands crew a fungible resource <laughs> it's just it's just they're just so good for game design they just put them into your game if at all possible and the fact that man of war manages to do that with one of its versions of wounds yeah is is just is splendid it's a piece of game design brilliance and again it's one of those things where it's it's so neat when it happens and in reference to you know what will now be last week's conversation, what you're talking about there with the wizards, it's 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 a great way of putting plot armor onto you know a narrative imperative on the fact that you know your general and your wizards don't get killed. Obviously, you're putting them on your capital ship, but it can get sunk. But then you can toot up and you can fish the wizard out, and so the, of course the mighty general, one of the greatest wizards in the entirety of the empire, doesn't drown because some orc big trucker bludged a rock at his ship of course not you you set up a wolf ship and you pull him aboard and I'm, ah, i will have my vengeance upon you see this mighty yeah. storm yeah no I, I, absolutely i think that those fungible resources and the fact that they build into a narrative imperative and a narrative plot armor again it's just yeah it's 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 eternally delightful and, and a very splendid thing and i think there there are some there are some slightly frustrating aspects <laughs> insofar as like 
the damage system results in quite a lot of disabled ships that can't move and that broadly speaking is boring like that ends up making the end of the game slightly more irritating and a bit less exciting and so if like if i was designing it i'd probably get rid of some of that stuff but like it definitely does create these stories of like you know i landed a lucky shot in your engine and so you know now you're you're stranded there and you can kind of do that you you could you could shoot if i go near it and i can maybe poodle over and pick up the crew and distribute it differently and stuff but like yeah well, like, yeah it, it is it is not a perfect game you know and and i think that as part of its charm and part of it, its lovability and it has big flaws and i think in many ways i think its flaws are part of why it's such a great example of a great game because it works despite them you mm. know and sometimes you know in some ways because of them and definitely the way that ships float around as like hulks is is it is a problem in the game and it is a pity and you know sometimes you're like well okay that guy's just discounted but apparently he's still floating there and then i've got to figure out if he counts for battle honors and what level of various things go and there are look there are there are flaws i'm not a fan of a crit table i know that sometimes you are but i don't like well the crit table is interesting actually because there are critical hits already on the card mm. like if i shoot the if i shoot the the the, the sails out you slow down by two inches like mm. so the critical hits are already built in but because it's the 90s we yep. also have a pointless critical hit table that i have to roll on which i i, I could definitely live without yeah um, I think that one of one of the weird things about Man of War is how weak like broadsides are for a sailing fleet game and how unbelievably powerful boarding actions are. Relatively mm. speaking, it's weird. It is ultimately like a close combat game, which which is absolutely insane for the sort of game it is. It should be if i line up like three broadsides on you, you you're getting annihilated but that but that i think that i think there's a i've got a few thoughts on that but like one of them i think is because like it's a very swashbuckling cinematic game it's it's more it's more a pirates like movie than it is a realistic you know spanish armada versus the the english kind of a thing where you're right like the the broadsiding is like it's a fun thing that you sometimes do and sometimes it slows the ships down and stuff but really everyone is just trying to get into close combat and with that we'll take a quick break when you realize that this is essentially a brawling game and it's not a shooting game and let's re let's remind ourselves of the the length of the mana war shooting ruler is piddly it's like yeah. what 15 centimeters maybe which i again i borrowed that for gaslands and that i think like you also you'll see this in billion suns like billion suns is a weirdly skirmishy brawling type game where things have to get quite close together and that i think is part for me it's part of the charm of the power of um boarding actions like it's slightly weird but it pulls everyone together in a sort of like you have to engage with the game you have to get off your baseline and, and and sail into the middle and everyone has to get into the action and you can't just shell people from 16 miles away yeah and, it, and it's funny because when when you do play it to the point where you get like a really you get the wind really on somebody and you can sort of dance around them and blast them you realize it's like oh this is going to take absolutely forever and then you realize that 
every single like man of war ship in the game is a close combat monster all of them are close combat there's not it's like the high elves have these vicious close combat ships you're like all oh, right i mean even though i'm able to dance around you and like shell you for for eternity and eventually wear you down i'm really not meant to am i i'm meant to wait until i've got the right angle and then just slaughter you in close combat and it is it is funny when you sort of realize that where it's like oh yeah it's very much a brawling game. It has all these high fluting things of, oh, you can outmaneuver them and get round. But it's like, no, get in there and just punch them. In the yeah, face. just un- unload troop tokens onto them. The, so, the- let, I mean, let's talk about let's talk about the resolution system for that because it's very simple. Like, you have a number of crew counters. I have a number of crew counters. We both roll a dice and add our crew number, and the person who wins takes a crew, uh, deletes a crew counter off the other, and then gets to decide whether to press the attack and do the whole thing again in a loop. And I love that decision to press or not to press. Um, I think there's a ton of flaws in this system that I would, I'm like desperate to to want to fix. But the fact that you can, it's essentially like a, it's a bit like invading a country in risk, right? Mm, to a degree, yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think the issue with it is, is if the underdog gets lucky, on like the first charge and gets to stop the assault. Mm-hmm. Interesting. If it comes to the point, which it often does, particularly if you've got like a, a man of war hitting a ship of the line, where there is no way the ship of the line can win the dice roll, but but they still got three crew counters, so we're doing it three more times. Mm-hmm. It's just cruel. It's a mean mechanic at that point where it's like well, and and even and even when you've got two fairly balanced ships, like. The way that the I win, take the crew counter and get the choice to press the attack. It means that it's incredibly swingy. And like once you win one or two dice rolls, like it just it just goes like it's there's no. So there's a there's an interesting moment of decision, which then evaporates into totally disinteresting decision making where there's not really any decisions to be made. And so I think that the sort of the there's a bunch of possible fixes for that and you know i i don't I, there's no point in trying to fix man of war now but like the core decision of of whether to keep, to press the attack or whatever like that is reflected in the gaslands collision system of whether you want to smash or evade like i'm trying to capture a similar flavor there and i think that like I think that there was a missed opportunity with the fact that you got crew counters and you didn't have to bid them hmm. like maybe there was a system where your crew like doesn't all charge onto the opponent's ships and there's a more of a complicated bidding thing going on and i'm not sure exactly how that would help but like i feel like there's something there's some more there's some more stuff that could have happened i mean ironically there is it's like well the the system you're talking about is the system that's more like risk because in risk you say how many people are sort of charging in and you've got to leave people behind and i mean you know there, there there are splendid things about risk um Another thing is the the magic system is so of its day, it's so <laughs> feast, it's so feast or famine. It's such a it's thing. very feast or famine. It's it's also it's mostly disappointing. Like occasionally it's fun, but nine times out of ten, it's either a damp squib or just you know or just a bit annoying and rubbish and so there's quite a lot of time spent drawing cards and reading cards and rolling dice that for spells that don't go off and then rolling you know sorting through to find if i've got the right dispel and then rolling for a dispel that always fails and it's like it's a bunch of work with no with no outcome most of the time and it's just like it's such an inefficient 
yeah piece of game design yeah yeah the, the magic system is is a huge pity and i don't know just and there's a whole stack of cards and it's like <laughs> so much componentry for so little impact on the game just, just just for information to the viewer every time we play man of war everyone gets a free wizard because there's this whole set of mechanics that you only get to access if you if you use a wizard and a wizard is an option so we always go ah oh, you know what they're all equal everyone just gets a wizard that'll add fun to the game <laughs> every every time it's like <laughs> well because because if you were going to spend points on a wizard you wouldn't spend points on a wizard like literally anything else <laughs> you can spend those points are is better than the insanely unpredictable but like mostly rubbish wizards but i you know We've got the game. It's 30 years old. I've got a full set of magic cards. Let's use the damn magic cards. So they no, come I, out every time. I, I but I, 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 so the, the thing that I, the only thing that I truly love about the magic system is reading the spell descriptions when the <laughs> wizard casts the spell. And I think that sort of, if I remember rightly, that sort of carried through all the way into like eighth edition Warhammer Fantasy Battle, right? Where you could still mm. do that. But there's just, there's something about the way that the spell descriptions are written because you can't see the wizard on the little ship because he would be tiny but like you get to read a description where it's like the jade wizard throws his arms wide and lightning like turns into bats which then launch themselves from the the rafters of the ships and then they go across the sea and it's like oh this is brilliant i love all I mean, of this. I, it's just it says a lot about the nature of gaming with with mike in that every time one of those cards comes out he will you know role play the wizard casting the spell and we repeatedly put wizards into the game despite the fact that the only fun thing is re is being the wizard who mightily does this thing and oh and he says these things okay should we roll to see if anything actually happens mike roll a dice oh i didn't roll a six no it doesn't get cast <laughs> <laughs> nothing, happened, nothing happened but you've got to do the thing which is really what you wanted yeah that was it i mean maybe that's maybe what the rule should be is you get to read one spell card each turn you don't get to cast the spell <laughs> yeah there was never a spell that way you're not disappointed that way you get the joy of reading it but not the disappointment of it being so so that i mean that that being very much of its time and i happen to be wearing a mystic skies t-shirt so like that's a that's a wonderful example of like why why do i have to roll a dice to cast a spell what makes the uncertainty of that spell being cast interesting versus writing the spells in a way that they always happen and then your response or the way that you play around the fact that there's now a whirlpool or you lost some crew or if those spells were going to be automatically cast like maybe they're about transmuting rather than deleting so maybe i send some crew from one place to another place i don't get to take resources from you i just get to change the decisions in front of you and i think it's super interesting like in relation to mystic skies there is that because when when we were originally going through the process of designing mystic skies there was a thing where you you rolled for dice uh, for mm -hmm. spells spells might not happen because it's it was i think so entrenched within sort of our thinking that spells sometimes just don't happen spells are a random thing etc cetera, etc cetera. and then we said look you know it's unfun when the spell doesn't happen let's see what happens if spells just happen and that's just all there is to it you're a mastered wizard these things come off you know and i think it just it makes for a much better and more interesting game and it is one of these weird things where magic being random is super entrenched and what it is is over and over again in that sort of golden era you know gw game you get magic phases that promise so very much and deliver so very 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 little 
and it, and I think it, the the design principle to the, to, to that uh, that thing is is if there's something in your game that is promising a lot but then relies on the dice to make it happen, you throw the dice out. Just have the thing that you're promising was going to happen happen, because ultimately, I you know, I, would I mean, say well, I mean, that that I mean, very much depends on the sort of game that you're writing, of course, because we talked in the past about unpredictability and unreliability systems, like most games if you want to move something forward you're allowed to move it forward but some games have an unpredictable orders thing where it's like well roll a leadership check to see if you're even allowed to move it I and mean, so what's super tragic for me about the man of war system is that it has these cards hmm. and it has a relationship between some of the cards and other cards you know that, that certain colors can dispel a certain other colors and it doesn't play a bluffing game with, with that with that setup which is just ah, um, you know uh, if right I... because you've already got a hand of cards which could be your resource you've already got yeah so i could choose to cast a spell and then you could bluff in a, a dispel or not a dispel and you're spending a resource to make that bluff yeah. and the fact that i automatically cast the spell would be somewhat negated by the fact that you might be able to automatically dispel it if you've bluffed in the right thing but then you don't get to cast that spell and so like everything that you all the componentry that you need to, to to for a much more interesting system is right there you're absolutely right yeah the system is kind of there and, it, and this is one of the things it's like if if something if a, if a non-event occurred in the magic phase, which was down to me eyeballing you and reading you and out bluffing you, that's a that's a non-thing happening, which is a thing happening. Yeah, it's totally. about the interaction between us. And if we, you know, if I miss the bluff and then like lightning rains from the skies and the then great something in game happens, you know. Whereas opposed to let's see if the dice let us have fun today. Oh no! Once again, the dice have decided there is no fun available for us today. Oh, mm. dice! When will you let me enjoy myself? Well, particularly because the spells are all fives and sixes, aren't they? Uh, the vast majority of them are very unlikely, and I know that it's because they're like, oh, they're very big events, and they're often game changing. But what the result? But that itself was a was a design decision. You could have turned them down in order to make them. Less... No, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, and the upshot of it is is repeatedly you go to the magic phase, hungering for fun and enjoyment, excitement, and then having some rather grumpy dice sit there and go, no, 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 you won't enjoy yourself. And you won't enjoy yourself in this part of the game. I and I think we also we also play with much more powerful wizards, or we draw more cards than we're supposed to, or something. Because I think I think the the rules as written are much more like fishing around for scraps, and you may or may not have a card that's completely think... re re irrelevant. Well, I think that the lower level wizard in it feels like an attempt to to give you the option for a dispel scroll, like if the other person is playing a big wizard. But in reality, what you go is, oh, you, you wasted a lot of money on that big wizard because he ain't doing nothing. Mm, I'm not paying mm, to mm. stop him from doing the things he's going to do because, first of all, my ability to stop you isn't going to occur. And second of all, you're just not going to get anything on. Um, so, yeah, that, yes. That's 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 the the long and the sh oh and flyers <laughs> flyers are a terrible thing and they should never have done it and I get it because it's like recreating you know like World War Two or later naval battles and you've got the sea so obviously you've got boats and the other thing that you can have on the sea are flyers but the way that the engineered flyers is they completely break the movement system of the game. Mm. The flyers just go, I just don't, I just don't care about any of the systems the rest of you have to abide by. I can just ignore the movement systems and I and I can ignore your shooting as well. 
apparently, you know. So I just, I'm playing a completely separate game from you. Plus, I can rip to shreds <laughs> your ships. With until, until, you dis- until you discover the rule about the... Uh, defensive fire <laughs> and, and until until randomly the dice step in and go oh yeah no no today and again the the flies are so feast and famine <clears throat> and they're also and they're also which is one thing but they're feast and famine that are playing an utterly different game to the whole rest of the game hmm. they are just they just completely ignore all of the mechanics that everybody else is playing by and you just you when you put them on the table and you're just like what the hell? This how? Why are you playing a totally separate game? Why are you not abiding by any of the rules of this game? And it makes sense because, of course, a flyer moves very differently from a ship, and I get it. But on a game design front, it's a terrible decision. It makes no yeah. real sense. Yeah, that's that's the long and the short. Well, that's that is, is I think, uh, why we love Manowar, isn't it? <laughs> All of those things. Fundamentally, um, yes, and, and uh, yeah, I do have a deep soft spot to it, and I keep coming back to it. And sometimes I go, I don't know, I don't know why I keep coming back to this, but it is one of those sort of, it's one of those long relationships that has personality rather than you know perfection, maybe. Um, so I think we'll wrap up on this conversation. Uh, thank you for watching along, if uh, indeed you still are. If you are, have you played Man of War? Do you have the the same strange love of of, of some of the the, the uh, of of Man of War as we do. Are there other old school games that you uh, you recognise their clunkiness and their weirdness, but there is something in there that keeps pulling you back to them? Is there just a game? And I know that there are great games out there, and the games that everyone loves out there. But tell us about the games that you love for maybe just one or two things that you. Do you know that there are honking great big problems with the rest of it? But those two, those few things are so good, so good that you have to keep coming back to that system. Um, and yeah, if you love Man of War, tell us why you love Man of War. Tell us if you agree with us on its uh, stronger points. Maybe you love the Man of War magic system and you think it's half the reason it's so charming. If so, pop us a comment in the comments section. We always love to read them, uh, hear your opinions. Look us up perhaps, on the social Perhaps the captain's table is your absolute favourite mechanic. Yeah, just yeah. for just for its name alone. <laughs> the, the, the fact that there's a yeah, somebody could, there's a table and it's a game of captains in it. Hooray! Everyone gets to go to the captain's table. Um, <laughs> yes, tell it. Tell us if you love Man of War. Tell us why you love Man of War. Um, tell us which sort of ugly baby of a game you you enjoy that other people don't. Tell us which weird things keep pulling you back to your most beloved games that nobody else uh, is into because it's got so many stinky parts. Reach out to us on social media, chat to us generally about what you love about the hobby. Uh, But for now, I think it's going to be thank you and goodbye from us on this episode of Rule of Carnage. So thank you and goodbye. Goodbye. Bye-bye, bye-bye.